You're listening to Simple Ritz Radio, and today I'm going to give you the secrets to getting more done in less time. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered. It's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to this podcast. I'm your host, Alexa. And as always, I just wanted to remind you that this show is dedicated to simplifying your health, allowing you to live with more purpose, more joy, and ultimately achieve the lasting health you've been looking for. While it seems complex and overwhelming, my passion is to break it down into the basics and help you live a simplistic and healthy life that you enjoy. Today, we're going to do just that, by showing you how you can get more done in less time, leaving more precious time for you to enjoy. But before we get to today's show, I want to tell you that I have a very special and huge announcement to share with you. This podcast is kind of leading up to it, so see if you can take a guess at what we've created as I've teamed up with another fantastic friend, mom, and business owner to help lessen the load and really allow you to live with better health and more purpose. But again, the announcement won't come until the end, so stick around to find out. But in today's show, I'll be telling you why it isn't actually possible to save time by multitasking, how working less will actually make you more productive, and my 10 best secrets or tips to getting more done in less time. While it may not seem like a true health podcast, I can't stress enough that the negative side effects of stress are having a huge impact on our life. And just finding ways to reduce stress and live with more joy actually are more important than what you eat and how much you exercise. This is that little lifestyle component we're always talking about. So stick around. You're going to want to hear this. So how do we get more done in less time? Now, this is going to be a little interesting and much against what our former belief is. But really, if we look at this again, where's our former belief gotten us that we should just work harder and longer? I mean, for most of us, it really hasn't gotten us to a better place or to a place where we get more done. Maybe in some cases, yes, we do need extra hours. But in general, the answer is the opposite. And that to get more done, you should work on less time. I know, I know. Just take a minute and soak that in. But here's my story. And this is why this has all come up. Because I get asked all the time, how do you get so much done? How do you stay at home with the kids, watch your sister's kids, work a full-time job, and manage your own business. And I have to say that, you know, as I look at my life, I don't look at it as any differently or myself as more extraordinary than someone else. To be honest, I'm what most would consider maybe a disorganized person or not structured. But one thing I've learned over the course of doing this, um, of doing this career of trying to manage family life and home life and take care of the kids and be the primary caretaker, you know, watch two additional kids during the day and run a business is that I have to have systems in place that allow me to get the most done in little time. So I don't work 40 hours a week. I don't have that option, but I can promise that even if I had that option, I think that I would be more productive working the hours that I do now on less time than if I had more time. And the reason I say that is just knowing 
that I don't have very much time a week to get all the tasks done that need to get done for my job is that I don't waste time. You know, I don't have the option then to allow myself days where I'm just not creative or I can't think. I have to keep myself on track and I have to get myself back on track. And we have little systems to do that. But even more than that, I don't allow myself to get distracted on social media or I try not to. I allow myself breaks to do that, but I don't allow myself to be taken away into that world for hours and hours and hours. So the trick to get more done in less time is to work less time and be more productive in that time. Again, it sounds backwards, but working less can actually boost your productivity. Just a no-brainer that we can all think about and kind of compare this to ourselves. Think about the last time you cleared your day just to clean house. Now, in that time, you know, you might have taken a little longer to wake up knowing that you were going to be cleaning all day, kind of sat around a little while, did a few things that you like to do, sat on social media, and then you started cleaning. Then you took a break, and you cleaned, and you took a break, and you cleaned, and you took a break. And it was just kind of like this back and forth all day of this like slowly getting a task done with a lot of distractions in between. Now, the other instance is when your husband calls and says he's invited someone over to the house tonight, and it's two hours away, and your house is a mess, and the kids are chaotic, and you have to clean, right? You can get the same amount of things done, you know, maybe not all of the deep cleaning things done, but you can get a lot of cleaning done in two hours if you know you have a time limit. So there is a difference, right? Maybe that wasn't the best example, but it kind of helps show that when we believe we have ample amount of time, we waste a lot of time. When we believe we don't have enough time, we're very productive with the time that we do have. You see, we tend to compensate when life gets busy and compensate by working harder and longer. Again, harder and longer is not necessarily the answer to getting more done. Instead, we need systems in place that allow you to get more work done per hour. And to do that, we need to remove one big clunky word that slows us down, and that's multitasking. Yes, multitasking. I know people think it's a skill or a gift, and I used to think I was a good multitasker. I think we generally think we're good at multitasking because we don't want to look at the obvious, and the obvious is that we're not. In fact, our brains are not hardwired to be multitaskers. It's very stressful in our body. It's very stressful in our brain and can actually increase cortisol levels. So to pull this whole talk back to health, when we increase cortisol levels, we know that our fat storage turns on and our body doesn't process sugar as well and and inflammation increases. And so there's a lot of health implications to high cortisol, which can come from simple multitasking things that we think we can be doing when in fact we cannot. But if we actually get back to the research, Did you know that it's actually been proven that no one is capable of multitasking? Or at least not well. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still find myself multitasking often, like folding laundry and watching my show. Tasks that don't necessarily require a lot of thought or attention or devotion. But when it's critical, like being present with my family or working, and and those few precious hours that I really value, I try to make it a point not to multitask. So when you look at the human brain and we really believe that our brains are not hardwired to multitask, we can actually see this in research. In research, when they studied multitasking, they found simple tasks can be hindered by adding another one on top of that. For instance, in one study, when the researchers asked someone to walk fast and then they added a complex math problem on top of that, 
they noticed a significant decrease in their walking pace as the person was trying to solve the mathematical problem. So yeah, sure, they're multitasking, right? They're still doing both tasks, they're still moving, and they're still completing the mathematical problem. But in both cases, both the walking pace and the time it took to solve the math problem were slowed. The moral of the story is you can multitask, but the time is more than going to double and you're going to lose out on your precious productivity time. So multitasking, which is also known in what we're going to refer to it from now on, is called contact switching. It's just when you add one task on top of another and you go back and forth. So you're trying to flip your body back and forth. You're trying to make your brain do two things at the same time. Just like a computer would slow down, your brain slows down when it gives multiple compounds at once. And just to nail down why multitasking and contact switching can be so damaging to the body and actually slow you down and hinder your productivity is that it can actually decrease productivity and that just doing two tasks at once, so trying to stack two projects on top of each other and complete them at the same time, it can reduce your productivity by 40%. If you add a third, fourth, and fifth project, this decrease in productivity can get up to 90%. And that's 90% of your precious time that you could be getting work done, but you're not. And so these tasks are taking you longer and longer and longer, and that's why you're not really making any progress. So why does this happen? I like to think it's analysis paralysis, right? We overthink everything when we get so much going on and so much going on in our plate. And we're trying to analyze the way to, you know, the way, the perfect way to get it all done. And that means compiling projects on top of each other. We almost become paralyzed because we don't even know where to start. We don't even know how we're going to begin to make a dent in the stack that we have going on. And so we just don't do anything at all. I have been there many, many times. I've written unrealistic to-do lists and set unrealistic expectations, and I tried to complete multiple projects at once, only to find out that I wasn't doing a quality job to be more frustrated with myself and just to end up back at square one. In the end, all causing this analysis paralysis of me not being able to move forward simply because I was too overwhelmed by the task at hand. So we have to get out of this multitasking mode where we're not really switched on but we're not really switched off, which in the end can create this burnout effect of us just not getting anywhere, not getting anywhere quickly and not completing projects that we love and, and in the end, not being able to fully love and live our life. So some signs you might be multitasking, which we probably can all nail down if we're multitasking and con using this context switching or not. But here are some signs. One is you work until you're distracted. It's like you work, 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 and then you see a Facebook message pop up. And so you click over to Facebook and you start looking at Facebook, which reminds me that you have another project to work on. And so you switch over to another project and you work, 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 work. And then an email pops up and you start reading the email, which reminds you that you have something else to do or your e inbox is full. So you start answering emails. And so now you just switch from one, two to three projects, which statistically can drop your productivity by over 70%. So this working until you're distracted like a dog who sees a squirrel is actually decreasing your productivity, means you're multitasking and you're not getting as much done as you can and it's zapping time. The second sign that you're multitasking is you're always on and you're never fully disconnected. This has honestly been a huge struggle of mine and it looks something like this. You're at a social dinner, but you talk about work. Or you're at home with your kids and you never really let your phone get out of sight because you're always checking your emails. 
the reality is, is you never allow yourself to recover because you think that there's some value in busyness. In the end, all you do is feel tired, burnout, run down, and discouraged. Sign number three, your multitasking is you don't take breaks. You work on tasks until they're 100% complete, even ignoring mental clues that you need to take a break. This one, my friend, is hard, especially when we're talking about working on less time. And I think this is so difficult, especially if you're a finisher, because you really want to accomplish something. You want to feel productive, and that usually means getting tasks complete. But getting tasks complete at the expense of your mind and your creativity and how well you're doing just to get them done, in the end, is hindering how quickly you could get them done, how efficiently and how beautifully you could get them done. Because the longer you work without taking a break, the slower you get and the less creative you get and the longer it ends up taking you. So for instance, I know I am not productive after six to seven o'clock at night. Really my most productive time is in the morning to early afternoon. And after that, my body just kind of starts getting slow. So for instance, a task that would take me 20 minutes in the morning, if I try to do it at 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night, can take over two hours. Like it almost becomes not worth it for me to work at that time of the day because those tasks take so long that I lose out on so much time that I could have spent if I just rearranged my schedule to fit it in when I know that I could get it done and do it well. So just like our circadian rhythms, our bodies have a natural work and rest cycles built into them. Just like we have this rest and awake state, our bodies have this time when we're actually working and trying to be creative and processing things where we have work and then rest cycles, work and then rest cycles, just like our circadian rhythms. Only these are shorter cycles or shorter segments throughout the day. Some would break it up in 90 to 20 minute increments. So you work really hard for 90 minutes and then you take a 20 minute break. Like that's a full on break. That's not answering emails. That's a break from work. And then you're on for 90 minutes and off for 20 minutes. I tend to shorten this a little bit. I feel like 90 minutes can be a long time for me to work. I allow my mind to flow a little bit more than that. And so I go off of the 50 and 10. So I work really hard for 15 minutes. I don't do any context switching. I don't get online and look at things. And I just focus on the task for 50 minutes. And then I take a 10-minute break. Then I'm 15 minutes on and a 10 minute break. And during that 10 minute break, I'm allowing myself to rejuvenate, to rest, to allow my mind to kind of revamp and wake back up and also allowing myself white space, which we'll get into in just a second. So it's not wasted time, but it's really a time for your mind to rejuvenate. And honestly, I solve a lot of problems during this time when I just shut my mind off and I allow this white space to happen. And we'll talk about why that occurs But if I'm stuck on a project or I don't have a great idea, just in these 10-minute breaks that I give myself, in this white space that I give myself, a lot of those problems can be solved by just allowing my mind to think in a different way than it would if I'm working. Basically, when we're multitasking and context switching and we're always trying to work, it's just like a runner who fails to take a day off. When we fail to take a break, when we fail to allow our bodies to rest and rejuvenate and fully disconnect, will eventually become fatigued and will burn out our body, just like a runner would. And not only burn out our body, but increase our cortisol levels drastically, which decreases our health. Now, just to, again, bring this back to the health, there's a lot of thought on why the world is so unhealthy today compared to 50 years ago. And yeah, we can say a lot of it can be linked to food 
and other substances that are in our environment that otherwise wouldn't be. But we also need to look at our work schedule and understand that we're working much differently than we used to. We're always on the internet. It's a beautiful thing, but it never takes a break. There's never a closed day, you know, like Sundays is an off day or the Sabbath day or we rest on this day. And, you know, it's not an eight to five job like most people where you're there and, you know, if you're if you're not at work, you can't answer your phone. You always have a cell phone. You always have internet access. You always have email access and all the social media channels. And so we really never allow ourselves to fully disconnect which keeps our cortisol levels spiked all the time, which is doing a lot of harm in our body. So we need to learn ways to fully allow ourselves to disconnect, but through that, to maximize our output during the time we witch, during the time that we do work, which allows more to be done on less time, helping you to fully relax, rest, and recover. It's kind of like walking ourselves into a new cycle, a cycle of getting more done in less time so that you have more time to rest and rejuvenate and fully allowing yourself to do that because you've realized, okay, I for once been able to accomplish more than I ever have before because I'm not context switching, because I'm fully focused on what I'm doing. And this, my friends, will actually help you to enjoy your life. But easier said than done, right? Because we find that there's something valuable about busyness, which in the end, there really isn't. We just place a value on it. I know for me, I feel like if I'm not busy, if I'm not stressed, then I'm not achieving success. But that is such a lie and one that we need to throw away. There's a law, though, called Parkinson's Law that I think it's important to note. And that law basically states that work will fill the time available for its completion, which is a side effect on working on projects rather than getting projects completed. I think Parkinson's law really steps up to show us that time is going to be filled. And if we don't choose to fill that time ourselves, if we don't choose to set our own agenda, something or someone else will fill that. And so we need to be aware of this. When we sit down to work, we need to make sure we have our agenda filled out so that Other people's agendas like emails and other things that that aren't necessarily a priority take over and waste all of our time. Or another example is having a project to do. Maybe you have bills to pay and you allow yourself two hours to pay those bills. It will probably take you two full hours to complete the bill payment. But if you give yourself 10 minutes, it will take 10 minutes. So whatever you allow yourself time for that task, it will probably take that amount of time. Just like cleaning your house, right? If you set aside a full day to clean your house, it's going to take you a full day to clean your house. But if you only have two hours before people are showing up, you have two hours to complete that and you will get it done or what needs to be done in that two hours. So setting the time, being kind of precise about your time constraints is maybe more important than actually the number of hours you are working. Do you see how you can kind of train yourself or rewire your brain or get back to the natural state of how your brain wants to work and just setting your own agenda and following that agenda, even if that means working your eight-hour job in six hours. Maybe you would be amazed at how much more you could get done if you just blocked off time for your six hours a day instead of eight hours. You can maybe even maximize that to get more than you normally would in that eight-hour span. 
most people's bodies are actually not hardwired to be on for eight to nine hours a day, maybe even 10 to 12 like some people's are working. Our maximum creativity and output is generally only about six hours a day. But I can promise you can get just as much done in that six hours as you can over the course of eight or 12 hour work cycle. It's just doing it well, right? Like it's just planning it out well. So all of this to just kind of bring it back to, okay, now what can we do to better plan our day so that we can work smarter, not harder, so that we can work in less time and get more done in that amount of time? And I think it really comes back to how you plan your day right? I think what people do is they just start working because they feel like, okay, I'm here. I showed up to work and this is what I need to do. And we forget that there's a whole preparation to work, which I think the preparation before work is more important than the work itself. Like the preparation to work needs to be a good chunk of time so that you can plan and adjust and adapt for the day ahead or for the week ahead. I call this reverse engineering your planner or your calendar. So instead of filling your calendar with all of these tasks that have been assigned to you, other people's agenda, you first fill in your agenda and then allow the other tasks to fill in. So again, we have to stop allowing other things to dictate your time and start to manage your time, which aligns with your goals, your purpose, your mission, your passions. For me, this means having a set number of hours of uninterrupted work time. This means no meetings, no phone calls, no appointments, just working, writing, or whatever needs to happen in my own quiet space. If I didn't do this, I could find myself in a 30-minute meeting, trying to work for 45 minutes, then having an hour podcast, then trying to work for 20 minutes before having another meeting or appointment. So I'm constantly going from one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing, as opposed to just having two hours of uninterrupted quiet time that's non-negotiable, that's just work time without any meetings or appointments or anyone else's agenda, not saying someone else's agenda is wrong. And then on top of that, scheduling everything else that needs to be scheduled and the time that's not blocked off, that's not non-negotiable. So kind of setting your own agenda first and then filling everything else in as need be. So this could even be looking at your health, right? We all want to eat better. We all want to exercise more. We all just want to be healthier. Or we need more time to ourselves, right? We want to take time for ourselves, but we feel like we don't have time. I can promise you can have time because you're allowed to make time. You're the one now setting your agenda. You're the one setting your schedule, not anyone else. Sure, there are non-negotiable tasks like activities for kids and things like that, but those things generally don't take all day. So we have to be better about setting our own agenda. And I can promise that when you set those work hours, you are going to get more done because you first put a priority on what you want, your passions, and really what your calling and your mission is in this world. So again, if you want to eat healthier, schedule time to prep meals. You know, if you want to exercise more, schedule it in there. If you don't schedule time, something will fill that time. It really comes down to a choice. What do you want to fill it with? And looking at meal planning, this is why I love that two-hour challenge that I've talked about numerous times. And the two-hour challenge is setting a timer is once you have a meal plan and you grocery shop and have all the food at home, you set a timer for two hours or however long you want it to be. Mine is two hours. And you get as much food prep done as you can in that two-hour period of time. And once the timer goes off, you're done. And that's what you've created for the rest of the week. 
I can promise that you can maximize two hours to save you over four throughout the week simply because you eliminate context switching, you're batching, you're getting it all done at once, you're saving kitchen cleanup, you're saving multiple trips to the grocery store because it's all done and ready for you. There are simple systems that you could put in place for your health that allow you, again, to get more done in less time so that eating healthy doesn't have to be a burden, exercising more doesn't have to be a burden, following your passions, taking you time doesn't have to be a burden, and instead these things lift you up and build you up so that there's more of you to get. And I think that's what's so exciting about health and nutrition is that those things really allow you to get more of your passions and your business done. Going back to scheduling your time and living your best life, like really figuring out a way to love your life more, to be more in the moment and to be more present and really just cling to what you have right now, not wishing for another season or for what has been, but really living in the moment. You know, so often I see us working so, so, so hard and never allowing ourselves to fully enjoy what you've been working so hard for. So maybe make that your goal for the rest of this year is to really live what you've been working so hard for. Here's some tips to do that. One, again, is just planning it, planning it, planning it, planning it, taking time at the start of each week to write out your week, to write out your most important task, to essentially prepare yourself to work. And I know that sounds crazy. It sounds like, oh, just another task or work on top of work. But really in this time of work preparation, you're getting your mind in the right place. You're preparing yourself. And in this time, I'm writing out my list of most to least important tasks that I want to get finished. And so I, I do this with a weekly spread, which we've created a very special product for you, which I'll be announcing at the end. It's my secret project that you want to stay tuned to find out. We mentioned in the start of the show. Um, but this weekly task list then gets broken down daily so I can see what I have to accomplish every single day for work, for life, and also my meal plan. So I kind of have it all laid out from what I'm going to eat to what I'm going to do for myself each day. I schedule my non-negotiable work time. I schedule the meal plans. I also fill in appointments and any other activities that are going on with the family or the kids. And then through the extra time, I find those bits to fill with things that I really do enjoy doing, like taking the kids to a park or going on a hike or going on a run with a friend or taking time to read a book. Whatever it is, just balancing that time with what you want to accomplish. Not someone else's agenda, again, what you want to accomplish. Because remember, If you don't fill your time, someone or something else will, and it probably won't be what you desire. Now, this isn't a selfish thing, I promise. It sounds really selfish, but I can promise that in just doing this for yourself, you will actually have more to give. And I think that's what's so cool about this is it's the very backwards thing. We think we must give, 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 and do for everyone else without even realizing if we do for ourselves, we are able to do more for others. Again, the first tip is prepare yourself to work. Write it out, schedule it, plan it. And for me, it's not writing unrealistic things, which I've done in the past, but it's being really realistic for your day. Maybe your top three business to-dos and your top three home to-dos and just focusing on those. Sure, you can have more lists than that, but focusing on the top three priorities in each day and doing those first. Another tip that is really, really beneficial, and this goes for meal planning, exercising, whatever it is, is batch processing. So when I work, I like to batch things together. So doing like task 
at the same time. This eliminates the context switching, this eliminates the multitasking, and it really increases your productivity time. You know, in my work life, that means batching blog posts together and batching um, podcasts together, batching emails together. So I'm not switching from responding to emails to recording a podcast to writing blog posts and taking food pictures. I'm trying to batch them together with like tasks. When I sit down to do my inbox, I do all of my inbox. When I sit down to record a podcast, I record it to its entirety. Now, there are always times this can't be possible, right? But getting as much done in the allotted time that I have. So it's not like I take a day and do all podcasts, or it's not like I take a day and just clean my house. I take time blocks in each day and get those things done. It's kind of like creating your daily system that you don't really have to think about it, that you just do it, right? System to me is just like a habit. It's a way to create these habits that you no longer have to think about it, and it's just the simplified version of what you normally or what you prefer to get done or really want to get done that align with the path that you're walking, and you're just doing it more efficiently. So batch processing is going to be really, really beneficial. Number three is, again, create systems. We've been talking about this all along. If you do something repeatedly every single day, create a system behind that. How can you make it more efficient? How can you simplify it? How can you... Get those tasks on autopilot, whatever it is, just find systems and basically work to simplify your life. Number four is start with the hardest tasks first. This is why I like that project that we're working on. It separates your business and your life to-dos by the three most important tasks that you want to do every day. There are a million important tasks I know in life, but really breaking it down into three manageable and reasonable things that you can get done today. Three seems really powerful, and especially when you pair it with your three home life to-dos, you can really see how this compounds from day to day to day. Because I, I think that we can, at the beginning of the week, write a really big list of all these things that we want, but we don't break it down day to day. So that really big list can, again, cause analysis paralysis. So just breaking it down day to day by those three most important tasks or however many you feel like you can really accomplish. Number five is to use concentrated time. And by concentrated time, I mean you turn off your phone, you turn off social media. There's even apps online that block social media during concentrated time. So you set a period of time when you just want to focus on one thing and you don't allow yourself to be distracted in that time. Remember, this isn't three hours of interrupted time. It's picking whatever you work well in. For me, it's 50-minute time blocks and allowing a 10-minute break. So 50 minutes on, 10 minutes off. It could be 30 minutes on, 5 minutes off, or 30 minutes on, 10 minutes off. Whatever it is, just using concentrated time where you're focusing solely on that task. You're ready, your mind is going, and you have all of your concentration on that so that you can get it done more efficiently and quickly. Number six is to say no before yes. I've learned this the hard way, too many times to count. But, and I know, we want to be yes people. I want to be a yes person. I want to do everything for everyone. But realistically, this isn't possible. And so for me and my time and my schedule and really just staying focused on what I want to get done, where I want to go, I have to remember that it's easier to say yes after you've already said no, than it is to say no after you've already committed. So I always say no, or let me get back to you, or just allow your time, allow yourself time to think and look and check and see if it's going to fit in, or does it align with where you want to go? Does it align with your passions and your mission and your call? 
or does it not? And it's kind of sorting through those things and remembering that we don't have to be everything for everyone, but if we're everything to ourselves, we can be more to other people. So say no before yes. Number seven is use only sharp tools. Now, I'm not saying this like, okay, cutting knives, not realistically. Now, I'm not saying that realistically. What I am saying is don't do things you're not good at. It goes back to we want to do everything and be everything for everyone. But understanding your strengths and weaknesses can really help you to be a better delegator. You know, this is a really, really complicated thing and hard thing for some people to do, um, and myself included. I don't want to disappoint. I don't want to put more work on other people, but there are just some tasks that I am not good at at all, and there are other people in my life who are like rock stars at those tasks. So why am I wasting three hours to do one thing when it could take a family member or a friend 10 minutes to do it, right? People are more than happy to help. I love helping people. It's like the greatest gift to help someone else. And people want to help you too. If you're not good at meal planning, let someone else meal plan for you. I send out a weekly meal plan every week in my daily email. I kind of find enjoyment in it. I know for my sister, she doesn't like it. And so she loves meal plans. For me, I, for me, I'm really bad at managing appointments and times. And I'm also really bad at, this is going to sound strange, at paying bills and purchasing things. Um, The thought of paying a bill on time kind of makes me cringe and it kind of gets me all worried. So I know this is just a task that my husband takes care of. Like he takes care of managing times, buying tickets, buying, making online purchases. That stuff stresses me out. I know what I want. Um, I know what I should be doing. I know when the bills are due, but actually doing that task, um, it, It's mind-boggling to me, and it sounds like such a strange thing, but we all have those things that we're just not great at. It. I'm not great at managing my schedule. I'm not great at managing appointments and things like that. I would just assume someone tell me where I need to be and when I need to be there as opposed to trying to do all of that and set up appointments. And so it's just a task that he does, and he does it really well. He's really great at managing people, and he does that well. I am not delegate what you're not good at. If if cleaning your house takes you two solid days a week and that's two solid days a week away from your family, maybe you should hire a house cleaner. You know, maybe you should give to help someone else make a living off a task that you don't enjoy doing or a task that really just isn't feasible and it's taking away from your life. There's no shame in that. You know, maybe you should send your laundry to the cleaners. Maybe you should, maybe you should ask for help at work. Maybe you should ask for help with your kids. There's a lot of things that we could do to help ease the burden on ourselves. We just have to ask. So remember what you're good at and delegate what you're not if it's possible. Number eight is remember that good is better than perfect. Now, being a slight perfectionist myself, this one's a little hard for me to say. A wise mentor told me that good is better than great when good gets done. And I think that's so true. I think we have to remember there's always time to make improvements and changes to most things. And so as long as we're getting things done and we're doing a job that we're proud of, it's better than trying to be a perfectionist and continuously working on it and never fully getting it done. So sometimes in life, it's better to be good rather than great when good gets done. So remember that. Number time is to make time for blank spaces or white spaces. This is what I've mentioned before in the podcast of, you know, me working for 50 minutes and taking a 10-minute break, but knowing that 10-minute break for me isn't lost because I use it as white space. 
Um, and where this really comes from is the research on creativity tells us that in the prefrontal cortex, that's where we put ideas together. But the prefrontal cortex can only work on one thing at a time. So when you're multitasking, you actually start taxing your prefrontal cortex. It can't put ideas together very well. So you'll never solve problems if the prefrontal cortex doesn't get quiet time to work on integrating information. So essentially, if you stop thinking about a problem or a particular topic, if you take a break, you will then be able to solve it more than likely. This means you must take time for that break and you must create white space in your day. This is like essential in problem solving. So this means like no talking, no reading, no writing, no working. You can walk, you can run, you can take a shower, you can make lunch, just mindless tasks that don't require any thinking or context switching. You're just really doing nothingness. Heck, you could even be staring into space. And this is when your prefrontal cortex actually has time to work and put things together. Which brings us to number 10, which is similar to number nine, and that you just have to find time to disconnect. So allowing yourself time to turn off your computer, to turn off your phone, knowing that that work is always going to be there. There is always going to be more to do. And yes, you could fill every hour of every day with work. But if you work so much and you don't enjoy it, how is that worth it? So instead, we need to start focusing on loving life more, on living life, getting all that you can done in less hours, being less distracted so that you have more time to do what you really love doing. And I feel like those 10 tips will be really helpful and helping you to start implementing this so that you too can get more done on less time. It is possible. And that just means maybe working less, but more than that, having systems in place to work smarter, not harder. And in the end, really planning your day, setting your own agenda and not allowing other people or other things to do that. To help you with this, to help you understand how you can work smarter and not harder, I've created a handout for you on how to plan your day. This walks you through finding out when you're most productive to when you're least productive, when you're most creative, and really helping you set those times through the day when you should schedule your uninterrupted work time and when there's time for meetings and other things to go on. And also, when's the right time for you to rest and rejuvenate and recover and fully live. To grab a copy of that download, head on over to the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 036. And now for the massive announcement you've all been waiting for. Literally, I've been waiting months and months to tell you about this, but first, can you guess what it is? By this point, you probably have guessed that it's some kind of daily planner. If so, that is exactly what we've created. However, it's not just any ordinary planner. This planner takes a focus of helping you to live with more purpose and passion, really helping your goals to become a reality and an easy system that is realistic to do. But not only that, it also adds in the other component, and that's making your health a priority. Because we know that without health, we really can't do anything we desire. Health must come first. So my friend Heidi from foodiecrush.com and I combined the best of both worlds into a realistic and simple weekly planner for you to use. It combines goal setting, dreaming, with daily action to get the job done, while breaking your priorities into three simple things you need to do each day And what could be my favorite part is the meal planner, a tool that helps you to plan and prepare for the week ahead, including what's in your refrigerator. Each month, we've laid out a health challenge for you, as well as provide a seasonal ingredient list and one five-ingredient recipe for you to add to your go-to meal list. 
We hope it becomes the one-stop shop for living life and taking back your health. I can't wait to come on the show. I can't wait to get Heidi on the show so we can talk about our heart behind this project and how it has changed my life and why I hope it can change yours as well. There's been a lot of thought, sweat, and tears put into the pages of this printed project, and I can't wait for you to experience it. If you want to learn more or purchase your very own planner for 2017, head on over to the site nourishedplanner.com. Because really, it is our heart and our mission to help you not only live a well-nourished life, but have a nourished kitchen and really to just be well-nourished. Again, this is nourishplanner.com and there you can even pick up a free weekly spread so you can start to see how we've created this just for you. And for all the other information on today's show and to grab a copy of the handout helping you to determine how you should plan your day, head to the show notes at simpleritzwellness.com slash 036. I'm so glad we're doing this together to really dive into what it means to fully live life. Stay tuned for more and more information on the planner, but I would love for you to be a part of the launch and experience a new year and a new way of finding and loving life. Until next week, my challenge is for you to live with intention.